I came to you two minutes early. You'll have till just before 10 after with the great Ed Bigley Jr. And you are so absolutely right. It is the great Ed Bigley Jr. How are you doing today, sir? Very good, Arrow. How about you? Absolutely fantastic. This is my kind of book, Ed. I, I, this, I have spent an entire lifetime reading books like this. And, and I always tell people, don't go into my Kindle because you're going to see a side of me that you don't know. <laughs> That's great. I love reading myself, and I'm so glad you liked it, Arrow. That means the world to me. Well, tranquility is that one place of mindfulness that starts with awareness. And, and to jump onto that path is a life changer. But, but do you feel in your heart that it's like, okay, now how do I teach this or share this with somebody else who's on a path? Well, we think it's so difficult. We think we want to get enlightenment. We already are enlightened. As children, we are, and we need to get back to that, to just accept that we are. You know, all we have now, each of us, Arrow, is this moment right now. Here it comes, this one, yep. where we have everything that we need. We don't have everything that we want. Most people never will get that. But you do often have everything that you need. And, and that's where I like to live my life in the present as best I can. We must remember the past and plan for the future a bit. But you don't want to spend too much time there. Live in the now. This is it, as Alan Watts so brilliantly wrote years ago. This is so my kind of conversation. I feel so blessed to even be doing this today with you because it's like this is this is how I live my life. It be, living in the presence of right now. I do a thing called stream thinking, which is, okay, what's moving through me right now? Write about it. Do you do the same kind of exercises? I do. I try to, you know really enjoy and be present for the the moments that i cherish in my life and uh you know i'm very lucky i have wonderful kids and grandkids and certainly with them with the the people and the things that i love in my life films i like music that i like places that i like i drink that in i drink deeply from the cup of life when those things are so wonderful and and try to get through the times where things are more painful the book we're talking about is to the temple of tranquility and step on it i love that you put that on there and step on it in other words bring it into your own universe and 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 use it as a tool right it's important that we do that but i also went a little too far with the step on a notion (laughs) in that i tried to rush it you can't rush serenity you have to just open your heart and soul to it and you certainly can't rush it by trying to get serenity from a bottle of stoli or some sort of drug or what have you you can do it but it doesn't last it doesn't work properly that's not the way to find enlightenment is through you know chemicals or liquids when you sat down to put these paragraphs together, did you go through like, like a transition period? Because I'm a firm believer that many people don't understand what a transition is. We're all going through multiple personality changes every minute on the clock. But to be a writer and to think of the future reader, what was that like? The only future readers I was thinking about the time when I wrote this was my, you know, my family, my yeah. children and grandchildren. I started to record these things with my daughter, Hayden. She started on her iPhone saying, tell me that story again about how your grandparents came over on the boat and tell me the story about, you know, you and uh, and Jack Nicholson doing that movie and tell me the story about Marlon Brando and the electric eels. And I started telling these stories just so my family would have an archive of it. And then I went, wait a minute, there might be something here that others might want to read outside yep. the family. 
Yeah. And such was the case. You know, your, your story with Marlon Brando uh, touched me because I had I had maybe maybe 15 or 20 seconds with Marlon in in uh, in Billings, Montana, because he his tra- his uh, trailer was they were filming the movie Missouri Breaks. And and what I felt I went up and visited that movie. I might have met you up there. Oh, That's my funny. God. I, <laughs> Billings, Montana. I drove up there in my my Toyota Land Cruiser to visit Jack and to visit Marlon and to visit Harry Dean Stanton and Fred Forrest. That's amazing. You were there in beautiful Billings. Yeah. I camped out along the Yellowstone River there. Oh, my God. That Yes, absolutely. You guys were every, yes. What what a moment. That's funny. <laughs> and back then, there was no big security detail nope. on a movie set. Nope. You could just, I drove up, I heard, I asked around in town, where are they filming that? Because I wanted to surprise all my friends on the movie. Oh, you go down here, turn right, then go left <laughs> at the highway. And I just showed up in the movie set. Hi, which is Jack Nicholson's trailer over there? That's it. Jack, it's Beggs. Beggs, what are you doing here, man? I thought I'd, I'm camping out in the Yellowstone River. I wanted to say, come on in, Beggs. A different era. And to me, it's a real river. I mean, it's got the rocks out there, and it's got that sound that fills the night air. I mean, it's, there's just something romantic about the Yellowstone River. There is something quite romantic about it. And now, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm very happy that they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone to the park there what have you it's been good for everything every part of the ecosystem has benefited from that key species in the web of life that has uh, been quite beneficial to to Yellowstone and surrounding areas. You're speaking my street on that because I have a forest here in South Charlotte that that what what happened is in 1992, I knew in my heart that it was time to replenish it. The hawks and the owls that come within six feet of me, it's almost like we have this beautiful relationship. So I'm with you on the wolf just as much as I'm with these hawks and owls returning to this forest. I agree. It's all, there's so many important pieces in the web of life. You know, you have to ask yourself, how many rivets can you lose from an airplane before it ceases to fly? You know, my friend Paul Ehrlich wrote that years ago, and these rivets are the different species that we're losing. At some point, you lose six rivets from an airplane or 16 or some number that someone who makes airplanes can tell you, but the plane will crash. And that's what we're up against now. We're we're seeing things about to crash with all the damage from the storms and the wildfires because we have to do something about climate change and species loss is part of that. And But we can heal. We've proven it. The Cuyahoga River does not catch fire outside Cleveland anymore. Mm-hmm. We had lots of huge amounts of smog back when I was growing up. There's nothing like that anymore. It's not nearly as bad in most of L.A. There's still a challenge around the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles and near the fulfillment centers. We're going to help those people that are still breathing dirty air. But to a large extent, even though we have four times the cars and millions more people, there's a fraction of the smog. A couple of weeks ago, I had I was blessed with an opportunity to talk with a couple that wrote a book about Disney wanting to create a winter wonderland in California, and they said that it was the environmentalists that stopped it. Right away in that moment, I felt Ed was had to have been a part of this because I mean, are, were you? I was not an active part of it, but I supported their protection of these key areas. There, I, there's plenty of ski areas open to people, and there's lots of. There's lots of that that's available. We don't have a lot of protected open space the the way we need to keep the ecosystem stable. So I was in favor of that. And uh, that's, you know, when you destroy something, 
created by man, it's called vandalism. Yep. You destroy something created by nature, it's called progress. And I don't think that's real progress. What's one lesson that you have learned in life that you feel it's like, oh man, this came into me and I've been able to help not preach it, but teach it or share it with somebody who can move on their own way? Well, it feels good to live it. And the one yeah. thing I heard a dear friend told me was live simply so that others can simply live. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listeners need to know that they need to buy the book in the way of knowing inside their soul that this is all recycled paper. And that that just charges up my imagination because I love the texture of paper. And to hear that you recycled it is just amazing to, to my plan and purpose here. Thank you. Hachette Book Groups was great with that. It was one of the things I asked for, and they were happy to accommodate me there. Wonderful people at the Hachette book, book Group. Now, on your lifelong search for wisdom, does that tell me as a writer that you were a journal writer as well and you kept great notes along the way? I did not. Wow. I did not keep great notes at all, but I do have these appointment books I could look back and go, yes, as I thought. That was 1975. I drove up to Billings, Montana <laughs> to visit some friends, and that was 1989. I worked on a movie called She Devil. And that was, you know, and I have all these different bookmarks, if you will. But I'm also still pretty good, even at my advanced age. I have these bookmarks in my head, too, that I can tell you when a lot of things happen. I'm not like Mary Lou Penner, where I have that level of memory at all. She's has a photographic memory. Yeah. But I can remember a good deal because of these, I'll call them bookmarks and of time throughout my life. Do you think of that as a superpower, or do you think of it as just a blessing? It's a blessing, and yeah. uh, I've been given many. I live in a a land of tremendous gratitude because of how lucky I am to be born Ed Begley's son. I won the lottery, and I didn't even buy a ticket. You know, he was a great father, and I got into a great business, and it helped being his son. You know, in immeasurable ways, people number one remembered my name when I'd go on a job interview, and second. They had something to talk about. There was kind of always a positive, hey, I loved your dad. We worked together on a Philco <laughs> Playhouse, and we did a craft theater presentation show once, and he was a great guy, and top of page eight, Eddie, good luck. You know, they're kind of rooting for me. So how bad is that, you know? It's, it's, it's wonderful. I was a very lucky man, and I continue that luck to this day. Well, we are very lucky readers, and your family is very lucky as well, because a lot of people do not write out their memoirs in the way that you have, because it's almost like, I think I can go back just to my grandparents, but I know nobody before that. Nobody ever spoke of it. So the fact that you releasing this book is such a gift, and I hope it inspires people to start jotting down their own journeys. Me too. Um, I figured I'd better do it now. Arrow, because I, you know, I wasn't sure if I could remember it next year. That's right. That's right. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you so much, Arrow. I'll do just that. Well, you be brilliant today, and I'll see you in Billings someday, okay? I hope so. It's beautiful there. <laughs> yes, it is. 